ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. So what made Dr Kat Ross of Curtin University look into this anomaly in the first place? I saw her in Perth. So when I was working in physics education research, my goal was to be helping teachers understand what they were teaching so that when they taught it to students, they knew what they were doing. And it was actually a colleague that pointed out as I was going through painstakingly every single dot point so that I knew the syllabus inside out, they knew what they were doing. And it was actually a colleague that pointed out as I was going through painstakingly every single dot point so that I knew the syllabus inside out that they taught of radioactivity, but Marie Curie wasn't mentioned. And I thought, there's just no way that's the case. She won two Nobel Prizes, coined the term radioactive. You can't teach radioactivity without Marie Curie. But I was proven wrong because there was a section of radioactivity, but she wasn't mentioned. And that just seemed like such an oversight that you could omit someone so vital to a field that I decided to look and see if it was bigger than that, who is being included. Are we excluding all scientists from science education or is it just women? And unfortunately it is just women. There is a huge component of science education that involves the history and development of knowledge, but that history is not teaching the entire history. It's excluding the contributions of women. Kat, what did you do? Roll up at a couple of schools and ask around the pupils? I wish, yeah. I talked to a few teachers as well and often I found a lot of teachers just hadn't noticed. But mostly I I talked to colleagues as a physicist by day or by night, I guess, because I'm an astronomer. But (laughs) as a physicist in my main job, talking around saying there's no women in the physics syllabus, most of my colleagues were pretty shocked to hear it because at our level we know of many women who are working in the field both currently and historically And so there was a lot of anger initially of just, well, we know that they're there. Why do students not know of this? It grew from there to talk not just to teachers but to curriculum developers about how they can change it because we're missing out on a lot of the story. And when you asked the pupils, you got one answer, and that was Rosalind Franklin. Mm -hmm. Why did they think she was Australian? (laughs) I think this is a really classic Australian thing of if someone's a fantastic person and they're either New Zealand or British, we kind of take them on as our own. That's it. They're Australian. Yeah, absolutely. But for a long time as well, there was a lot of Australians who, in order to succeed in science, had to leave Australia. There weren't necessarily institutes here to do the science that they wanted or not the formal recognition. And so many moved away to study and it's still definitely an issue in the modern era. And that's also reflected in our syllabus. So of all the scientists that were mentioned, not a single one of them was Australian. And it's just perpetuating this idea that only good scientists are not Australian. Um, And when you published this, what happened? Overall, there's sort of the initial shock reaction. A lot of people thinking, no, that can't possibly be right. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. But there's also many people that have come back saying, I don't know of any women in science. They're just not there. There aren't women in science. But, you know, if you want to be, there's an old saying, if you want to be Australian of the year come from Western Australia and have your name as Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> There's a high percentage of that. It's it's a pretty good approach, to be honest. Fiona's in WA have done some incredible science. I'm talking, of course, of Fiona Stanley and Fiona Wood, whose spectacular achievements surely have breached some people. I think so. And I think more and more we're learning of incredible women like Fiona Stanley and Fiona Wood who have done incredible work, not just here in Australia, but around the world. 
But the problem is it often relies on either students taking that initiative to do extra research themselves out of interest or teachers taking time out of their schedules to learn of these women and then incorporate it in the classroom. And I think it's pretty safe to say that teachers have a lot on their plate at the moment. So asking teachers to put in that extra work just so that students have access to role models, it's a bit unfair. But may I say as a broadcaster that if you know something about the people if you got some idea, not how they sat there looking at the screen for 25 hours a day, <laughs> but how they solved problems and how they talked about it down, I don't know, the tea room, should we say? <laughs> You've got some idea of, first of all, some of the eccentric characters and some idea of how the science is done. That's why we tell stories about these amazing people. And, well, Ruby Payne Scott is one of the most tragic examples because as we broadcast in the science show she virtually set up the whole of radio astronomy <laughs> with Robert Bolton in Sydney did the maths and said rays are coming in from further outside the galaxy and they found out she was shock horror married. <laughs> I know the nerve to be married and a scientist. And I think her career as a radio astronomer was seven years long. And she fundamentally established Australia as one of the powerhouses in the world for radio astronomy because of the work that she did in establishing just the field of radio astronomy, the instrumentation, the interpretation of results, the analysis. She was fundamental to that. As a radio astronomer myself, she's a huge inspiration for me. And we all know of her quite well, often because we use the work that she did. But outside of radio astronomy, people just have never heard of her because she's not included in curriculum. She's not being taught and she's not being celebrated in the way that she really should be. Does that mean that nobody's listening to the science show anymore? Not enough people, definitely. <laughs> That's a better way of putting it, yes, indeed. <laughs> well, having cracked this one and exposed something of a severe lacking, have you had teachers get in touch and say, what line should we take? You know, who should we take as examples? You know, we'll put Curie in for a start. But any reaction to alleviate the problem? Thankfully, yeah. We've had some really positive reactions. Most teachers, when they hear about this, often go, I hadn't even noticed, which is entirely understandable. I was working on this project for about a year before I even noticed these stats as well. So entirely reasonable to have not noticed, but now that you see it, it's really hard to not see it. So a lot of teachers have taken the initiative to include women in their classrooms, which is having an immediate effect already. But the bigger thing as well is we're working with curriculum developers. So the Queensland Curriculum Assessment Authority, they're currently undergoing a full curriculum review and developing new curricula for all the core science subjects. And we're working really closely with them on how they can change the way that we teach science. Because as you say, storytelling is really important. The story of science, the story of discovery is really important for students to engage and be encouraged to pursue science. And so having that story be relatable and authentic and not of these long dead European men that no one really relates to anymore, why not have examples from someone who did this research just down the road, who looks just like you, who has the same sort of history as you, that you can see yourself being. That is a far more exciting syllabus, both to teach and to learn. And just a note, the person doing the Boyer Lectures this year, which of course uh, broadcasts on the ABC, Radio National and so on, is Michelle Simmons, who's leading in the world, not just Australia, quantum computing. 
That's it, exactly. And I think there's this understanding that the best scientists aren't in Australia, but that's because we're not teaching of them. <laughs> so we don't learn of them. Australia is absolutely a powerhouse in so many areas of science. And we have a huge history of innovation and technology, not just in a modern era, but Aboriginal scientists are the oldest innovators in the world and they have the longest history of science. And we just don't learn of that science either. There's just so much that we could be teaching that is really fantastic science that's just being skipped over. Have you at any point lost your temper and run around the room shouting? My temper has definitely been a big motivating factor, definitely. We're facing a fundamental skills shortage when it comes to science in Australia. We need everyone here if we want to be surviving in science in a modern era. And how are we expecting to do that if we're teaching an outdated and boring education of science? Dr Kat Ross does research at the International Centre for Radio Astronomy at Curtin University in Perth. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.